0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs. And with me is Juliette Fay, a poet and three principles facilitator. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Juliet and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Carla. So Juliet and I got on, and we had decided we would not hit record today. Because we both um, had kind of a difficult weekend um, for various and sundry reasons that, you know, and we thought, well, no, we're just, we just aren't going to hit record today. But then we started to talk about it and it got kind of juicy and interesting. And we know that our listeners have hard weekends too. So we thought that we would hit record and just see what, what would happen. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I said right before we hit record that I'll say now is that in all the the breakthroughs I've had in my life, I've never broken through by, uh, how did I say it, Julia? But I've never figured it out. Like, I've never broken through by figuring something out. And, you know, that sounds... Like something interesting for us to explore, because you know you were dealing with a personal issue this weekend. I was dealing with a personal issue this weekend that uh, left me very sad. Uh, I'm still in the sadness right now, and um, you know it's. It, I find myself sort of bouncing back and forth right now between just feeling the sadness, just being with the sadness. And then, sort of flipping into trying to find my, you know, trying to figure it out. Okay, now what do I need to do? How can I fix this? Uh, and and um, and the other thing I find myself doing is projecting into the future. How is this going to turn out? What, what's going to happen? And when I do that, Juliet, I get very anxious. Mm-hmm. And when I feel the anxiety, I remind myself, you know what, come right back into this present moment, because right now I'm, I'm really okay. I, I don't know what's going to happen or how things are going to unfold. But um, I do know that at 60 years old, I have 100% survival rate. I've found my way every single time so far. So, you know, that's a pretty good track record. So I thought it would be interesting, Juliet, and I thought it would be interesting to explore this for our listeners, because we made a commitment to one another when we started riffing on realness, that we were going to show up and be real. And uh, it does feel a little risky, Juliet. You know, it does, because so many people out there don't really show this side of things very often. And we seem to be doing that.
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) we do well you're you're very much the um you know for me you you model that your willingness to to be real and and not to pretend that you feel something if you don't and to to come as you are and it's it's um you know it it always feels better when we do come as we are because it's um takes a lot of mental energy to keep a mask on or juggle lots of different masks and you know many of us do that without even really knowing we're doing it it's just kind of what we've learned to do and you know a lot of those masks that have been useful but if we don't know it's a mask then I think that's where we we can get in trouble and um there's something I love that you know that what you said just before we hit record about you've never had a major breakthrough by figuring things out and a couple of things you touched on there is that you know that like you say looking into the future and the 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 sort of uh you know that you mentioned anxiety and and I well I just want to I just want to touch around I I was doing a piece of writing this morning um which may turn out to be a blog article I'm not quite sure yet um but I was interested in this this thing about where our hearts are hard and you know it's so easy to see it in others so we look at things in the world and we you know we shake our heads and we wring our hands about you know how can how can people do that or how can people say that or how can people behave that way and As I was writing it, you know, quite often when I write articles, I don't always know where they're going to end, you know, when I start them. And I was seeing that it's universal. You know, we all have areas and times and moments when when we harden our hearts. So, you know, I, I was looking at examples. I mean, some of them sound a bit political, but, you know, if you if you see pictures of children in cages and your response is that will be a lesson to the parents, you know, you're not a bad person, but your heart is hard, hardened. You're not seeing human beings, young human beings in a cage, but in the same way, you know, we can wring our hands about the state social injustice. And then, um, you know, judge someone in our village for not picking up their dog poo and in the same way it's it's a it's a sort of invisible blind spot where our heart heart is hardened and I got really curious about this because the same people who don't pick up their dog poo I'm sure feel love and compassion and understanding at moments in their life we all have both hmm and that was really coming through for me. So when you begin to realise that, you know, those old phrases like there, but for the grace of God go I, when I'm in judgment of somebody else's, you know, what I think is bad behaviour or, or whatever, uh, and yet don't see my own, you know, I'm not seeing how we're the same. Mm-hmm. Underneath. And You know that difference between trying to be kind, trying to be grateful, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) trying
1: to be compassionate. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, It's not the same as that naturally arising. No. And I don't quite know where I'm, I'm going with this. I'm just sort of exploring. But I'm curious about the shift in consciousness that informs how we experience our own minds and life because that seems to be at the heart of it you know we can skirt around with trying to do better or be a better human or be a better citizen but there's something um like it doesn't go to the heart I Mm -hmm. think that's what I'm I'm hearing and when you the shift you talked about I'd love to hear more when you've had shifts breakthroughs i think you you called them and you said it wasn't from figuring out maybe that would be a nice place for you to if you're willing to explore what what how you account for what for having a breakthrough
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i've 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 given it some thought and um you know uh two of the biggest breakthroughs i've had in my life around some very painful issues which i won't go into at the moment i've you know i've I have in various places and various blogs. I'm not withholding that right now. I just don't think it's important. But I think what's important is in in the two cases I'm thinking of that were so huge and big and dark and messy and all those things, um, what I did was took myself to the very bottom. I went to the very, very bottom where there was no way out except for through it I guess um, I mean you know there was there was it's like I backed myself against a wall where I had no choice but to break through or not mm. and while that, that's really painful and dramatic in a way you know I I think about it like with people who um, you know, you hear in in the whole addiction world that you know you got to let people hit their bottoms if they want to find the way through, and and what 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 we see so often is people don't let people hit the bottom. You know, people don't want that to happen because it is really scary and it's dangerous, and we don't know how it's going to turn out. You know, I made it through mine, but I could have just as easily not, and. But, but sometimes we have to hit bottom to find our way. That's the case for me. I wish it weren't true. Maybe it won't always be true. <laughs> but, you know, the, the two biggest breakthroughs I've had in my life around um, some very sticky issues were because I, uh, and, and really, I would say, um, at least in one of those cases, I intentionally took myself to the bottom. And everyone around me was telling me, "Oh my god, no, don't go there, don't go there." And and I think in my wisdom beneath my rational mind, I knew it's where I had to go to find my way. And I did. And and that's why I broke through. Now, I it's not like something I can prescribe. I wish I could. I'd be wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> But but I, I can't I can't prescribe it. Um, but I think it is part of what makes me what made me a good therapist and what makes me a good coach is you know I'm not afraid to watch people um, go down there because I know that sometimes that's just where people need to go. So uh, it's sort of a I, I guess a disintegration or a devolving maybe the the death of something so that something new can grow, something new, you know, it's a kind of a death and resurrection. You know, it's a, I think of the caterpillar who completely disintegrates except for those imaginal cells that then, then turn to the butterfly, which is that caterpillar's soul's code. So I think that, um, I think we're very afraid of that devolution, of that disintegration and I'm not so sure we should be. And I think people are so fast to jump in and try to fix things for other people. And and I think it can uh, actually, um, get in the way of something that's trying to be, that's trying to die and be born. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I'm in the disintegration phase, which I feel like I am around this third issue, (laughs) Um, it, it's frightening, and it's it's lonely, and it's it's um, you know it's sad. And I think that there's that there all of that is sort of legitimate because you're letting go of a way of being that's no longer serving. But it's familiar, and we know that our brain likes the familiar; it feels safe. So. Um, it takes a like a ton of courage, I think, to do it, and it's why, why, you know, sometimes we start down that path and then we stop ourselves. So I, I don't know if that, <laughs> I mean that, it's really hard to talk about Juliet because it's not like this little A B C one two three. You know, it's not like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you your willingness to talk about it while you're in it, as it were. And I'm really curious, you used the term soul code about the butterfly and the caterpillar. And I just, I could, I feel all the hairs go up on the back of my neck. So I'm really curious whether you there's any more coming to you to say
0: about that right now. The soul's code, um, I heard first from... Um there's a book called soul's code. I can't, I can't, I'm blanking on the author now, but he talks about how we're all born into this world with, a, with our soul's code. I think that which we are meant, you know, who we're meant to be, you know, you could, you could think of the, <clears throat> the, the caterpillar who's meant to become the butterfly. You could think of an acorn that has the soul's code of the live oak You know, you'd never look at an acorn and imagine what it will be if it's if it allows itself to disintegrate and crack open and then take root. And then over time, you know, over decades, over centuries, even, um, you know, it's not this uh, you break open and then you're the, the oak. It's not like that. It's an unfolding. It's it's an allowing. It's a surrender. It's not the acorn doesn't go, okay, now, now I need to begin to deteriorate so that I can crack open. And next I need to, no, no, it just, it just allows this to happen. It just surrenders to something, to life living it, if you will. And, you know, what you said a few minutes ago about um, how we harden our hearts. I think that's what you said, how we harden our hearts. I mean, that's like I think before I allow myself to disintegrate, I go through a long period of harding, hardening my heart. Like I, I, I have felt it for weeks and maybe months of just kind of a hardening because it's like I knew what was next on some level and it's like, oh gosh, here we go. And so then there's this hardening. So I think I said to you before we hit record that, you know, I've been in a very irritable, angry place for, for quite a while. And now, now I've cracked open and, and all I feel is sad. And it, it feels so much better than the anger and resentment. And um, it, it's much easier on my nervous system and on everyone around me. You know, so there, there's this, we have this avoidance of these feelings when, um, that that podcast you turned me on to yesterday she was talking in that we should put this in our show notes because it was, it was amazing. She was Sherry. Is that her name? Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was talking about how, you know, your emotions, they can't harm you. It's okay to just feel them, but we just do all this avoiding and me too, obviously, clearly. Mm. And then when we, when we can break open and just allow it, there's a tenderness that comes in Mm. and I'm in a tender um, raw place right now. And you, you mentioned the rawness too. And there's something very rich about that. It's not like this horrible thing. Um, and, and at the same time, I feel myself wanting to, to kind of snap out of it and avoid it. And that's when I go to, you know, my drug of choice right now has been lately social media. And so what I'm trying to do in these last couple of days is just, I'm just, I just stay in off of it because it is just a drug to numb me out. It's really good at it. Mm. And it's an acceptable drug, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not drinking myself into a blackout every night. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. social media and myself into a blackout. So I'm yeah. not doing that. And, and what I'm left with is just this raw, tender place where something could take root I don't know what and when I start worrying about how I'm going to get this thing to take root then I then the anxiety comes in because now I'm trying to control it rather than letting letting life live me and just allowing for the unfolding
1: mm, this is so rich I just I was just really hearing like with your talk about the acorn and the oak and, and as you know i live on an estuary and the, so the the ebb and flow of the tide here is very kind of present to me you know, i'm very aware of it and i see it right outside and those stages you talk about like the hardening the softening you know that i i heard you didn't say it but i heard ripeness as well in the tenderness and the rawness yeah you know they I did um, an amazing program called Journey to Wholeness with the Insight Space uh, in London. Um, Ian Watson and Carol Burrows. I'll put, I'll put them in the notes, although the the program isn't available at the moment. And there was um, we kept returning. I think it's one of my ears pricked up about the Souls Code as well. That again, I'll I'll find the exact quote for the notes. But there's a T. S. Eliot quote about coming back around and and to i'm going to mangle it but something about um coming back around to yourself and and seeing it for the first time and there's there's quite a lot of motifs in myths and legends about how we kind of have the answers but life isn't like a linear start and then we hit the finish line we it's much more of a circular journey and so we may and i can really see this in my own life you know I, I I found some uh, letters recently this weekend, which I sent to to a very old friend who, who's passed on. So they came back to me, and I was reading the letters of this like you know twenty five year old, thinking, "Wow, I knew that," and I my life, and I still did these things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost as if that wisdom is is always there. It's always bubbling up, but. I have a sense in which you know maybe life is meant to be cyclical and it's only that we've sort of uh, got some idea in our heads that you know like a like a car on an assembly line you know our life starts with small parts and we fix them all together and look here's a brilliant here's a car Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we know life doesn't work like that and so the especially the hardening and the softening you know if you just think of the seasons you know we're in going into winter here the trees are all bare you look out and the landscape if you know if you didn't look deeply you'd think everything's dead but we know it's not dead we know that there's that gathering in as you know trees and plants they're they're sort of is it, is it hardening? I don't know. But they're gathering their resources in. They're going into hibernation. And when you talked about that tenderness and the rawness and you talked about something else taking root, you know, that really felt like um, what happens when spring comes. And what happens in spring? The soil warms up. You know, the rain and the sun and the warmer soil, those are the conditions in which new life emerges and one of the things I'm I'm really curious about cuz likewise this weekend I I dropped back into feelings and experiences that I had quite a long time ago and they were sort of vivid and fresh as if they were you know happening now and I recognized what they were and even today as I kind of came out I was curious you know what is there here what is the gift in this because mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, I'm mixing up all my metaphors here, but it's like I climbed aboard the amusement park ride. I got in willingly into the roller coaster, which I don't like. (laughs) And I I went around, but it wasn't the same journey. It looked very similar, but it wasn't the same because my experience of it, my relationship to it perhaps was there was some thread that, like you like uh it's cherry gillings and we'll put we'll put it in the notes the podcast a link to the podcast her podcast like you said when she said you know feelings in themselves can't harm us and when we really know that rather than it just being a nice idea Mm -hmm. I think it frees us to look for what's the treasure in here, you know, not and I don't mean uh it, yeah, this is just this is just coming in now. So when we talk about you know every uh, nothing's ever wasted, um, which is something Molly Gordon and the both of us are mentors, a phrase I heard her say a few years ago, which I loved. But I realized that we can receive that idea that everything has a gift in it, there's treasure in everything, nothing's ever wasted to mean, oh, there's things in there that's going to make me a better person. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and we're still kind of back on that idea that there's a finish line that we're supposed to get to where we become a fully acceptable human being Mm -hmm. but there isn't we are whole as we are in all our messy glory there's nowhere to get to there's no better person to become Mm -hmm. and so when we look at the gift from that point of view you know not because we need something to improve us but the gift simply what is the gift of this experience what is there in here that is new what is there that helps open my heart what is there that touches me kind of What is there that's not the story of my anxiety that's not the story of my conditioning what is there that's that's just new like the new shoot mhm that feels very rich
0: yeah yeah i keep <clears throat> kind of imagining that acorn that's so well protected you know it's hard shell really hard and it has to break open for it to be what it's intended to be. You know, it has to. And, and I think that's why we wanted to do this Riffing on Realness podcast because we see the hard shells all around us and within us. And all the potential if if we could all just break open. (laughs) You know, because what you were saying was the hard heart that we see out there, like you were mentioning the children in the cages and the people who are like, well, that'll just teach their parents something. That hard shell that we see out there and that I feel in here in my heart is all about just fear, just just fear just it's all it is fear and when when we can see that i think we can have so much compassion for those people we're mad at because of their hard heart and because and and compassion for our own hard hearts because we're just scared every one of us is scared mm.
1: And I love that that compassion. And you know what I'm seeing too, the hardness of heart, and this is maybe where it departs from the acorn. I don't know if this is helpful because I had a really irreverent thought about acorns Is and some of them get eaten by squirrels.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I may as well say it because that's
1: what came up in my, in my head. But, um, but the when you begin to see and, and and that fear and everything else but the hardness of heart is is made of thought and that's why the same people who you know that's always been curious to me that if you look at figures in history who we know have done committed atrocities genocide they some of them we know you know had families they had children that they loved and so the hardness of heart, it's not like here are the hard-hearted people and here are the soft-hearted people. Mm-hmm. We're all both. And that universality, that, I think, can inspire compassion. When you can really take that on, not as an idea, but that that person over there who looks to be so hard-hearted is you and you are them. You, We all have the capacity Mm -hmm. for both but also hardness of heart is it's not we have a heart and there's a bit of armor there and there's a bit of armor there it comes and goes like this ebb and flow of the tide
0: Mm -hmm. we
1: can feel filled up with love one moment and then I love your what you're saying there we can retreat into fear and get behind our barricade the next moment but the fluidity of that I mean that's the the hope for me is that However long I might have been bumping into that hardness of heart, which looks like it's fixed and solid around certain things or issues or people or whatever, it's literally a thought away that that really seeing the the nature of it, that it's thought created fear. Mm -hmm. It's nothing to do with now and us and other people that's the the great hope even when i can't when the way even when that doesn't look true just knowing that at any moment it could dissolve that it makes everything up for grabs and and i think just um recognizing more deeply that we seeing ourselves in others and them in us it sort of you know when anger dissolves and it takes away that you know that that lo- that sort of locked horns when you're in in battle because being in battle with another person it feels to me that it's you know it's fear fighting fear isn't it it's, mm-hmm. it's we're not um in that moment, we're not in a heart-to-heart connection. We're kind of, yeah, we're both fighting phantoms and we don't see the other person. We see our our fear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you can, I read, um, I'm just finishing a, a group next week where we've been studying a book called um, The Relationship, Handbook by George Pransky, and there's a little bit in tonight the call. There's a little tiny paragraph, and we're right at the end of the book where George Pransky talks about being in the um, when he was in the military, and when um, combatants had an argument in the barracks, what they made them do was clean a window one on each side of the window. So they had to stand facing each other. They couldn't hear each other. They couldn't speak, but they had to each clean the window. Huh. And he said, invariably, you know, they connected. Wow. Because you can't not in that situation. I think they made them stay there probably (laughs) until it resolved.
0: Wow. I love that.
1: And it's such a powerful thing that um, you know when those fears drop away, when those you know I'm I'm really wondering if what we, what you see in that and the window is such a powerful metaphor is you see yourself, mm-hmm. and maybe and isn't that what happens? You know when we I'm just thinking of those times when you. I don't know. You see a, a little toddler being sweet, or a dog, or something, and you just get that oh feeling. Mm. You know, are we not recognizing ourselves in some way? That just the the life. I think when you talked about that, you know that the spirit of another is that what's going on
0: mm.
1: when everything falls away, and we just the joy of recognition yeah it's a, it's a beautiful idea because those moments come on us all the time even even on your social media when you are when you're on there as well as all the things that irritate us on social media there will be beautiful moments of recognition when we see something photo or
0: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe it's closer than we think
0: Maybe it is. I think that, uh, you know, you were talking about that fear being made of thought. I think that's how you said it. I'm not sure that's how you said it. but You know, and, and those thoughts that we buy into become beliefs. And those beliefs that we buy into become our worldview, just as how we see the world now. And it feels so incredibly real. And it, and it feels like hopeless to think it could be another way. But it's just all made of thought, and and in any moment it could fall away. And that and that is what happened to me in in the two major breakthroughs I've had in my life around huge, hopeless, utterly hopeless issues, no hope. In a moment, it just fell away. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, again, tell you, tell you how, how that happened. But it, but it did happen. And everything was different on the other side of that. So, and, and in the situation I'm in right this minute, it feels that hopelessness. But I know, I know where I've been with hopelessness before. So I know that while it feels hopeless, does not make it so. While I believe it's hopeless, does not make it so. I do know that. And that really, I didn't know that with the other two issues. <laughs> so that that's a great, you know, comfort for me, mm. I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of, you know, maybe we get these reminders uh, I did at the weekend that, you know, the world looked different to me from the, I guess, from the state of mind I was in over the weekend. And the thing about it, Carla, is it was compelling in its veracity. It looked true. Yes. Um and I don't, you know. I like to think I've learned some things in life, but sometimes I wonder um, because I, what was different for me was that there would have been a time, I think, that I would have wanted to get on the phone and talk to somebody and go through everything about what I was feeling. And I'm not in any way saying that that's not a good idea because there are definitely times when you know even the simple thing of getting something off your mind you know it can lose its heat it can lose its power when you sort of you know some I think a lot of people find talking to somebody takes it out of their head you know and Mm -hmm. and sort of uh, diffuses it to some extent but I spent a lot of time in in certain periods of my life you know seeing talking things out as uh, I felt compelled very strongly that I need to talk about this and actually time after time after time those conversations would leave me and the other person feeling much much worse Mm. and yet still it looked like still it looked like what I needed to do so this weekend was very interesting because I actually my instinct told me to go in the opposite direction to actually um you know not uh talk about it with anybody else and I have you know I have friends and, and loved ones who who would be willing I'm sure to to listen but I ended up walking a lot and then yesterday I ended up painting and there was something really beautiful in you know waking up today and it's passed through like those storms we talk about and realizing that nothing fundamentally changed about my world over the weekend. Mm-hmm but it really looked like it had. Mm -hmm. And I still find there's like, it's still a lingering sense of, yeah, but you know, all those things I thought, all those ideas I had uh, about what was wrong, you know, with the world or whatever. uh, Some of them might be true. I better, you know, I better keep a note. (laughs) better be on guard. Yeah. Just in case there's wisdom in, in all of that, you know, somewhere buried in it, because that was my belief that the stronger my feelings the more important what what I what they would, you know what they would, the message of the feelings were that was always my sense. But when I say message, I was always looking for um, what do I need to fix? Which was the title of that podcast we're going to put in the notes, wasn't it? Um, uh, why you don't need to fix your feelings, uh, something along those lines. Less fixing, more feeling. That was it. Yes. Um, and it's like a really. Um, strong habit and I think it goes back to what you're saying about anxiety and control and fear Mm -hmm. getting to work on fixing our feelings feels like it'll give us back some control Mm -hmm. and that fear and anxiety of, of what of the unknown um fixing can become an you know, it's, it's, you know, if you wanted to advertise fixing, you know, do an advertising campaign, it's got a lot going for it, It distracts you, keeps you busy, you know, gets you in everyone else's business. Um, It's fixing looks, uh, and it does it as a coping strategy, it works because it takes, it distracts us from maybe the, you know, the, the feelings we don't want to feel
0: yeah i think it gives us a a sense of control over something that is not meant to be controlled yeah and so that that makes sense i know that i i feel myself like kind of bouncing between you know i really want to just stay open that's what i really really deeply want and then you know these thoughts come in of fear of of um hopelessness that make me want to then shut down uh, you, you know either shut down or try to try to figure it out just try to figure it out you know and, and in order to 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 feel like i'm protected when what's needed all that's needed really is just i think surrender mm-hmm. just surrender and staying open surrender and staying open and surrender and staying open and trusting you know, life that has got me and is living me and, um, and, and trust myself that I've always found my way through. I can find my way through again, you know, and, and um, but staying open. Yeah. And I love to shut down. Mm-hmm. It is comfortable. I know how to do it really well. Yeah. And um, but it doesn't serve me. I mean, it's it, it has been helpful to me in my life through mm-hmm. some trauma, but um, at this point, you know, I don't need that to be okay anymore. So trying to stay, just allowing myself to stay open and, and tender. And I just glanced at the time, Juliet, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Mm-hmm. So how do we want to bring this home? Well,
1: I am, um, I'm, a question's bubbling up for me, um, which is not one I can really fully answer, but it's just in all these intense emotions that we experience to just wonder who who is suffering. Mm.
0: That's an interesting question. Yeah, because I think it's like just this mind, <laughs> just these thoughts in a way. Like I can really feel the difference in just being in the sadness and it being just fine and tender and open and then all these stressful thoughts coming in well you need to think about this and you need to worry about that and how about that and are you going to now i'm now i'm moving into suffering so yeah it's like just at my fundamental core when i'm just with the sadness i'm not really suffering yeah but that's definitely a thought a, a question to to sit with for a while for me thank you for that It's a powerful question. I'm going to sit with that. Yeah, me too. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Juliet Fay. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at carlaroyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. Juliette loves freedom of mind which she explores and shares through poetry and conversations find her at soulcare.org that's soulcare s-o-l-c-a-r-e.org we'll see you next time on riffing on realness